Question for you. Have you ever been blessed by someone whose name you just didn't know or don't know? Some examples. Maybe you were the recipient of an anonymous gift. Maybe one of these things where you're in the drive-thru and it's that huge chain and, you know, someone pays for your coffee and you get there and it's all paid for. Wow, cool. Or maybe the sweetest of gifts when someone lets you in on the road in heavy traffic, right? Get a turn in. Or perhaps you received a note. It was anonymous. It was from a neighbor just about how good it is to see you and your family out and about or appreciate the wave and the smile or how beautiful your flowers are. Or maybe someone returned your lost wallet and you never got their name. And if you think perhaps, maybe I don't think I've ever been blessed by someone whose name I didn't know. If you've ever been walking down the, tr- the street and you, you sneeze and someone says, bless you. Well, there you go. We have all been blessed by people whose name we may never even No. There was a man named David. You've likely heard of him. He went to be king, King David from the Bible. He had a whole lot of blessings in his life. He is probably, if you were to try and categorize it, one of the top five known, what you would say, heroes of the Bible. But just like every one of us, he was also blessed by someone completely unexpected. Now, he very likely came to know this individual's name, but we, on this end, are never given that name. Today's hero in our series, Unsung Heroes, is the unnamed servant, as found in 1 Samuel chapter 16. This series, we're looking at these heroes who who don't get the pomp and circumstances, some of the other heroes of the Bible, and yet... We celebrate God's faithfulness in and through their acts of faithfulness. Last week, we looked at Ebed-Melech. And if you have no idea what I just said, I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, The message is online. It's a a fascinating account of one of God's servants. You can find all of our past messages on our website, hopekzu.com. I encourage you to check that out. But today, it's all about the unnamed servant. Now, he's only mentioned in one verse. That's chapter 16, verse 18 of 1 Samuel. We're not given a name, and his very small narrative is nestled between two very important and well-known accounts. That's the one of David's anointing, when, when Samuel anoints him and says, you will be king, and then also the account of David and Goliath. Whew, those are two big accounts. And right in between those, we find this little tidbit. So to help set the stage, let's read from 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse 13. One verse before it shifts focus, but you will see they are indeed connected. From 1 Samuel 16, starting at verse 13, hear now the true word of the Lord. So Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit came from the Lord and tormented him. So here in these quick two verses, we see the spirit rush upon David 
the future king, as well as depart Saul, the current king. Rushed upon David, a man after God's own heart, but departed from Saul, a man who took matters into his own hands. And as Samuel says in 13, 13, who has done foolishly in not keeping the commands of God. Remember in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's not present in the same way it is after Pentecost. Jesus came, he changed everything, and at Pentecost, the Spirit came to dwell, to tabernacle, to be with and in all who believe in him. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would fall upon certain individuals, sometimes for a certain amount of time, as God seemed fit. And here we see the Spirit actually leaves Saul. What a heart-crushing thought. The Spirit of God leaving us. And then, if that's not hard enough, God sends an evil spirit to torment Saul. And perhaps when you read that, you go, what? How can that be? God sending an evil spirit? That's really tough to grapple with. Let's name that. And in reality, we have to consider this, that God is God. And what God does is right. And our view of right and wrong are a shadow of his ultimate view of right and wrong. That means if he does it, it is right. With tough passages like this, we, we have to remember that, that God is the starting point. He's the central figure. He is our source and our frame of thought. And so when we read these things, we have to consider all we have come to learn and understand about this loving and mysterious God. And what we learn is that he is good. He is right. He is just even when it's very hard from our vantage point to see or understand it. It also shows that God has complete dominion and control and command over all powers that be, whether on earth or in the spiritual realm. He is the highest authority. He is the one who reigns supreme. So this passage today, with this hard reality of God doing this thing, we, we know he has reason for it. If you go back, in fact, and you see Saul's progression and Samuel's warnings and Saul's actions, you understand that, that why this had to take place. And as you continue to read forward and you see what he was doing with David and what happens with Saul, you see why it has to take place. But this passage here today, the one we're going to hone in on, it's, it's often seen as the transfer of power between Saul and David. Obviously, it'd be a number of years until David actually becomes king. And a whole lot goes down between David and Saul. There's a few spears involved. But just before this account, David, he's anointed as God's chosen king. It's a private affair, but God deems it so. And then an evil spirit comes on Saul, and we see that that happens time and time again. He's continued to be tormented by it. We see it in chapter 18, verse 10. We see it in chapter 19, verse 9, where it says, Saul raved within his house with a spear in hand. Saul's tormenting 
I imagine, served as a potent warning for David of what a life without the Spirit of God is like. There's no guidance. There's no comfort. There's no protection once the Spirit flees. And I wonder if being in the shadow of Saul galvanized David as a man truly after God's own heart. For even years later when David messes up royally and big time, once he comes face to face with his sin, you see the depth of his repentance and his remorse and his confessing and tormented heart that he brings to God instead of outside of God like Saul. So David's anointed king, but in secret, and he's not yet king, not right away. And sometimes our plans, even the ones that we believe and faithfully believe that God has approved and has, has, has orchestrated for us, sometimes those plans have to be put on hold indefinitely. Like David, we can use that waiting time profitably. Like David, we can choose to learn and to grow in our present circumstances, no matter what they may be. So where in your life right now is God perhaps calling you to wait, to trust that he's in charge and is in control and has not forgotten you? How might you use this waiting time profitably in a way that brings a deepening trust and growth in your walk. Let's pick up our passage here from verse 15. Now remember, the Saul is being tormented by this evil spirit from the Lord. So Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God, it's tormenting you. Now let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirits from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well. Bring him to me. I find this interesting, because Saul's plight is brutal. Remember, it's not just an evil spirit coming on him it's, and tormenting him. It's also the absence of the spirit of God. And, and this is something that would happen the rest of his days. And, and even beyond that, Samuel, once wise, godly counsel, is no longer there to give him the counsel he once did. So here is Saul, suffering, struggling. He has no clear idea of what to do. And his grief and his torment that he has experienced in this great exchange of spirits. And so his servants tell him exactly what he needs to do. Let our Lord command our servants to search for someone who plays the liar. It reveals his, his state. He doesn't come up with that idea on his own, right? right? He, uh, he, he, he can't think straight. He's not giving commands right now. His servants suggest to him what he should command them to do. It reminds me of if you've ever been really sick or you've been in an accident and, and you're just so caught up in what you're dealing with that, that there's this loving caregiver who basically tells you what you need to do. And then goes about making sure it happens. That's the state Saul is in and the role his servants are playing here. Now real quick, what's a lyre? Well, it's a small U-shaped harp like this gentleman is playing. I don't think this is David. He's a little too white to be David, a little too old at this stage. 
But you get the gist. It's a U-shaped heart. Now let's move on to verse 18. Imagine in your head heroic harp music being played because our hero is about to enter the scene. It comes and goes quick. Let's see what happens with our unnamed servant. We're going to read from 18 to 23. So one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem. He knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well. He's a fine-looking man. And the Lord is with him. So then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who's with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat sent them with his son David to Saul. Now David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Give thanks to God for the reading of his true word. Now there we go. David is now in the royal court. He's the lead liar player of the royal band. <laughs> he finds favor with the king. Immediately after this account is David and Goliath, where David slays Goliath and shows his, his, his faith in God. Things are moving forward for David, who through many hardships in his life and trials in his road, he's on that road toward eventually becoming king. And all of that happens, one, because God is awesome and he is at work, two, because of David's faithfulness and willingness to follow him, and three, because of this heroic, unnamed servant who speaks up. Let's look at his shining moment once again. One of his servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior, speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. This servant says so much in so few words. I could learn from him. A lot of us could learn from him. Yeah. This servant clearly knew David. He knew he played the liar. And he knew he had to have been good enough to give a recommendation to the king. You don't get someone who's just learning how to play the recorder. I saw uh, uh, Natalie Kletzer is playing Hot Cross Buns on repeat at home, and we lovingly support her in her endeavors. But this is not a beginner on the lyre. This is someone who can play some beautiful music, and the servant knew that enough to share. He knew that David was brave and a warrior. Again, you don't claim someone is brave unless you believe that when there's a moment where courage is needed that they're going to answer that call. This servant knew the David enough that his bravery would not fail and reflect poorly on him as he recommends him to the king. He knew that he speaks well. He has listened to him enough to recognize that he's quite articulate with his words, which is an important trait if you're going to be in the royal court. He knew him to be a fine-looking man. Now, it's a, kind of a funny passage, right? It's just kind of funny that it says that. But, but times are not all that different from then, where if 
you are traditionally considered better looking, especially then they believed you were destined for good things, that you had a special kind of favor upon you because of that. It's important, it was important for a king to have a certain uh, look about them. And so, so he's saying these things about him, knowing he would fit in in the royal court. And finally, a very brave line to say to a king who just lost the presence of God, and yet a very important one for him to say, the servant proclaims, the Lord is with David. He knew David enough to see his gifts shining through. He knew him enough to know his love for the Lord. He knew him enough to know the Lord is with him and that the Lord has gifted him. And then on top of all of this, this servant knew exactly the type of person the king would have interest in. You know how in job searching, it's like 10% your resume, maybe 20% your experience, and 70% the people you know. Yeah, the unnamed servant just handed this gig to David on a golden platter. And this is a beautiful thing. God could work in and through this world and accomplish his great and grand purposes any way he chooses. But a major way he chooses to do so is through the faithfulness of his people. So God used this unnamed servant to accomplish his great and grand purposes by positioning his anointed David, King David, the royal ancestor of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. He gives us, this unnamed servant, a wonderful example that we are all called to follow as God weaves his majestic tapestry through his followers. And what we learn here through that example is if we see something, we say something. Amazing advice in the traditional way that's used. If you see something suspicious, you say something because you just don't know. But in this way too, if you see something, if you see giftedness in someone, if you see something good happening, you say something. If you have a potential solution to an identified problem, you don't sit on it, you say something. If you think something nice about someone, you don't keep that to yourself, you say something. Thank you, Mom, for teaching me that. If you get a strong Holy Spirit nudge, you're faithful to that nudge. And you say something. The servant recognized gifts in David. The servant spoke up and advocated for him. As we talked about last week with Ebed and Elek talking to the king, it took courage and bravery here for this servant to speak to a king who is in great, noticeable distress. If things went poorly with David, there's a great chance Saul would have hurled a spear right at that servant. He didn't just know what David did. He knew him enough to know his heart. And God used his servant, this servant who we don't even get a recorded name, but he used his position, his relationship, and his voice to conduct God's grand symphony. Through this servant speaking up, David became familiar with royal life. 
he became an armor bearer. That, mean, that means receiving training in the king's courts for how to be a warrior. And we know that he went on to display exceptional ability. This is noted in chapter 17. And we know that his, his prowess as a warrior, along with his musical ability, led to Saul making him a permanent member of the royal court, as it says in chapter 17. Now, close, he was close to all the action of the royal courts, of all the happenings as a member of the royal band. Through that, he came to understand, to observe, and to see King Saul. And he came one step closer down his walk of faith on God's plan for his life. All because this servant spoke up. He saw something and he said something. Takeaway for us is that like the servant, even if what you do is not recognized, even if your name may never be known publicly, God and his kingdom are greatly blessed by what you faithfully and lovingly do. God sees you. God is with you. His spirit will not ever depart from you like it did Saul. He will bless you for your faithfulness. If not in this life, then surely in the next. What else? We may not be given the name of this servant, but his words and his work are written down in God's true word for all history to read, to learn, to be blessed. Do you think that servant ever, ever imagined that happening? No. Do you think he ever knew in his earthly life of that happening? No. Because you have no idea the kingdom-shaking impact that God has orchestrated and that he may be ready to implement out of your one small act of faithfulness. We don't serve for recognition. We don't serve for likes, for follows, for upvotes. We serve because Christ served. We serve because that is our faith. Takeaway number two. Never withhold encouragement. Never withhold encouragement. Our days are filled and fixed with endless opportunities for discouragement. It is a broken world, friends. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah. Our joints ache. Our faucets drip. Our kids don't get along hardly ever. We don't always love our jobs. We, we hurt. We struggle. We, we contend for good each day. We believe every day, this is going to be a great day. But our days are a daily battle against disappointment and discouragement. Have you ever felt like, on the flip side, have you ever felt like you've just received way too much encouragement? I am way too encouraged right now. <laughs> Friends, You cannot overdose on encouragement. Not possible. Every one of us is in desperate need of God-honoring encouragement in our day-to-day lives. If you think something, no matter how small it may seem to you, you say it. Bless you. You've now been, you know my name. So, yeah. (laughs) If you think something, no matter how small it may seem to you, you say it. And you don't wait 
Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, encourage people far more than you think you ever should. And then you double down. We are usually not as encouraging as we think we are. And people usually need way more encouragement than we think they need. You say something, you say something, because we all need it. This life is way too hard without it. There's another way you can also give encouragement, and it's not in place of talking directly to someone, it's in addition to. And that is that is that uh, what we see the servant do here, and it's the art of positive gossip, okay? Saying encouraging things about someone that you know will get back to them. All right? So, so that's what the servant did here. He said all these encouraging things, and we know God worked through that. But if you think something encouraging about someone, you, you are, have been blessed by someone, you see growth in someone, you tell that person, but you also tell the people close to that person. You see, you have no idea, no idea what one small word God may use to alter the course of someone's life. No idea. I would never have become a pastor if it wasn't for those small words of encouragement from Don, from Ralph, from Sally, from Doug, from the Ryan and the other Ryan, uh, from Pam, from Chris, another Chris, from, from Jess and Matt and Aaron and Rob and, and Shane and Meg and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You have no idea what one small word God may use to alter the course of someone's life. If you see something, you say something. So some questions to help us live into this beautiful desire we all share. To help frame us. Where in your life right now do you maybe need a little encouragement? Just name those places you're in. Name those, those hardships you're in. It is my prayer that you may Find it, encouragement in that space through Jesus Christ today, through his word and through his family. But also, where in your life do you need to give encouragement? What do you see around you? What words come to mind that you want to share about a person to, to bless them? Who can you encourage today if you're here in person? Who can you encourage before you leave this place? Make it so. If you're at home with someone, how can you encourage them? If you're at home alone, who can you call or text to encourage before the day goes on today? What encouragement perhaps have you been meaning to give for a long time, but you just haven't found the opportunity? <laughs> we can all relate to that, right? Oh, I've been meaning to say this. I want to tell this person my encouragement for this encouragement, is to make the opportunity this very week. Make it happen. This is the right time. The unnamed servant blessed David immensely. Now I mentioned at the beginning how incredible it is to be blessed by someone we don't even know. But what's even better? <laughs> it's being blessed by someone who we do know. Who, the people who know us who know our hearts, the good and the struggle and the, the tribulation and the things we've been going through. The people who know our love for God, our desire to honor Him, to serve Him, to be like Him. That 
good encouragement. God works through all heroes, sung and unsung. Most of the heroes of the faith are unsung. Y'all are a whole bunch of unsung heroes. I try and sing your praises, but you know, I don't sing very good. So a lot of you are unsung. But that's the life of faith he calls us to. God longs to work through you as you bless others. And as you bless others, you bless him. For when we speak God-honoring words of blessing over another, it's no longer our words. It is Christ through us. May we all be open vessels for God to work in and through us as he orchestrates his grand kingdom symphony. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we find ultimate encouragement in you. Just the sheer fact of your grace that you never give up on us, that you love us endlessly, that you pour out yourself over and over and over again for us when we repeatedly let you down. God, we give you thanks. What encouragement that you will never give up on this relationship, Lord. And that because of who you are, because of what you've done, because that you are still present and alive this day and with us even now, we can always find encouragement. We give you thanks. God, we pray that because we have received such grace and such love and such mercy and such encouragement, that we will be bold in following your Spirit's lead to speak that same truth to others as we see it lived out in our day-to-day lives. We thank you for your unnamed servant. We thank you for all servants who do things not for recognition, but to your glory. And we pray, Lord, that you will work through us. We long to be vessels of your good news, of your good work, wherein all that you choose us as your means to share ultimate salvation and hope that is only found in you. God, it is our prayer that it's not us that people see when we encourage, but it is Christ through us that they see. We love you. We thank you for your transforming love. We glorify and praise your name this day. In Jesus' name, amen.